My name is Austin Amaro. Uh, my wife, Allie, and I have been attending First Pres for about two years. This morning, we will turn to a passage of scripture that describes a powerful and heart-changing encounter with the living and resurrected Christ. As we desire to encounter Jesus in our own lives, may our hearts be open to the words of Jesus recorded in Luke 24. I invite you to turn into your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 27, or look up to the screens to, and follow along as I read the passage aloud. Hear the word of the Lord. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he, he, was, one, he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all scriptures, the things concerning to himself. Now please join me in the call and response printed on the screens. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. Thank you, Austin. Um, whew, nothing like getting a tickle in your throat right before you're going to come up and preach. Got my water, so everyone just say a quick prayer. Holy Spirit, calm my throat. No. Thank you. Um, again, my name is Becky. For those that don't know me, I'm on staff here at First Pres. I'm one of the pastors, and I'm so grateful to be with you all today. As I look around the room, I see not only my own mom. Hey, mom but also so many who have been spiritual moms to me from a young age. If you don't know, as a young child, my mom was a pastor here on staff. <clears throat> and so from ages about five to middle school, I lived here and Jane Watson was a mom to me and many in this room have been moms to me. So it's great to be here today to celebrate with you all. Um, we are diving into the last chapter in the study of Luke. We've been in Luke all semester, and it's been so fun to see the stories of Jesus revealed. Several weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. So you might be thinking, why are we going backwards? Well, we went backwards a little bit for a few weeks, and now we're going to see what happens that very day. The, the morning, the women found the tomb empty, and then here we are in the afternoon. We're about to see what happens. So before we begin, I'm going to pray for us. Let's pray. <clears throat> May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
So here we are in chapter 24 of Luke. Keep your Bibles open if you have them, because we're going to be kind of looking at this passage. And it's one that is only found in Luke's gospel. You won't find this in Matthew, Mark, or John. You'll only find this in Luke, which is very special. And it's one of my very favorite passages. It's one that just hits right close to home because you can imagine it. The, The scripture teaches itself. And it's one of the first recorded stories in scripture of the resurrected Christ appearing to disciples after his resurrection. So that morning, the women had found the tomb empty. If you remember on Easter Sunday, we say to each other, he is risen. And everyone's like, yeah, he's risen indeed. And then the next week we go on and we forget that we said that last week. But this is a story that continues to celebrate the resurrected Christ. Peter and the women had found the tomb empty, but there were still a million questions left unanswered. Later that afternoon, there are two people, and they're walking to a town called Emmaus. It's seven miles away from Jerusalem, so it's not too far. I mean, it's like half of a half marathon or something, like you could do that, you know, a quick seven-mile walk. They're walking home, and they're talking all about what has just happened over the last few days and week, right? These were people that were devoted followers of Jesus. They were people that were Israelites by birth and tradition. They would have known all what had happened. And it was as if they were sort of swapping news stories, like, did you see, and can you believe, and oh my gosh just like you and I would about something that happened in the news yesterday. They were kind of news focused. This was a very big event that happened, not only in their spiritual lives, but also in the the political atmosphere of the day. It was important that they talk about this. We don't know much about the two walking. We do know that one of them's name was Cleopas, and the other one, it was either maybe his wife or another disciple companion. It was somebody walking with him. We don't know who they were, but we do know that they knew who Jesus was. It's likely that as they were talking and they were kind of sharing stories, we know that it was very sad, right? It wasn't like, can you believe this is so awesome? Oh my gosh. It was, it was very like minor key, like, you know, and they were really sad about what had happened on the cross. They were really sad because the Romans, their enemies were still in power. They had been looking forward to what was going to happen with Jesus the Christ. And they knew that he died and they were sad. He died a gruesome death and he'd been laid in a tomb And even though that morning the tomb was found empty, they were still questioning what that even meant. They were questioning if it really happened. Is it really true? We didn't see it for ourselves, but we heard the story and they weren't sure it was true. But something very big was about to happen for these travelers. A transformation was about to take place. So take a look at verse 15. It says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. On their journey, their seven miles to their hometown of Emmaus, the risen Jesus began to walk with them and they didn't recognize that it was him. They're literally talking about him in the moment, what had just happened, and they don't even recognize him there. So let's pause for a moment. There's a reason that they're not recognizing him. We don't know whether it was that 
their eyes were in the sun, whether they were so distracted by the news of the day that they didn't pay attention to who this guy was that all of a sudden was walking with them. We don't know if it's that God was preventing them from seeing Jesus. We don't know if Jesus' face was covered just a bit. We don't know why, but they were prevented from recognizing him. These people were two travelers that knew the Old Testament scriptures well. They knew the prophecies of the prophets of old. They knew the scriptures. They'd studied the Torahs. They knew the promises of God, and yet still, they didn't recognize Jesus. Likely, their lives were devoted to Jesus. They were here on the road, and he he appears beside them. They're believing in this Messiah, and yet... They don't recognize him, right? Jesus asks them what they're talking about. Hey, what are y'all talking about? What's going on? It seems like there's some sadness. And they stood there looking sad. And Cleopas responds to Jesus. And remember, he still doesn't know it's Jesus. And he can't believe that this person is actually asking him what is going on because everybody who's anybody knows what just has gone on in the town of Jerusalem. Everybody knows that this Messiah, this Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross and died. And then his tomb was found empty just that very morning. Like, how, how do you not know What's going on? This was devastating news, and they couldn't believe this guy was asking them what happened. How could this traveler not know about all this? Jesus continues to play dumb. But what we know about Jesus is that he's constantly teaching, right? When we read this story, if you don't know anything about Jesus, then you might be like, wow, I wonder if he really didn't know what was going on, even though it was about him, right? He's constantly teaching, and he plays dumb to have them tell him, Jesus, what had happened. So they start talking about Jesus as prophet. He's mighty in deed and word before God and people. They mention that the Jewish, their own people, the Jewish chief priests, the Jewish rulers, their very own people, delivered him to the Romans. That's big. Everyone be like, oh, Right? Because it's like, what? The people that we have been in alliance with, that we are against the Romans with, they are the ones that turned over the Christ to the political rulers of the day. He was condemned to death. He was crucified. This Messiah that they were following had placed their hope in, seemed to be completely defeated by the religious and the political powers of the day. This is humongous. It's not just that the Romans killed him and that the Jewish chief priests and rulers were like, no, no, that's our Messiah. It's that his own people betrayed him into the hands of the, religious, of the political enemies. So in verse 20, 21, Cleopas goes on to say that they had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. They were disappointed because even though they put their hope in Jesus, it didn't seem like Jesus had actually done the work that he'd come to do. Lots of questions still unanswered. The Jewish people were God's chosen people. These people had been waiting for freedom. These were the same people whose ancestors had been freed from Egypt. They'd walked on dry ground through the Red Sea. They are the same people that God delivered into the promised land. They're the same people that God promised an eventual Messiah, somebody that came to truly save them, not just from slavery, but from all sin and death. 
and the tomb was empty? Okay, what does that mean? They're not seeing a miraculous, spectacular thing that, boom, happened. But they've been waiting for it. This Messiah whom they put their hope in, they were wondering what had happened. They had some expectations about what this might look like, what the Messiah was supposed to do, how this might happen. Even though they'd read the prophets foretell Christ's coming, even even though they knew that there was going to be a death and suffering, when it actually happened, their expectations didn't meet reality. Maybe they thought that, that their expectations were that a new kingdom would come immediately, that the Romans would be out of rule immediately, that something would happen and, and their people would be freed immediately. They would feel some change immediately, and they didn't feel it. The tomb was empty. All they heard was that the tomb was empty, and it didn't seem to mean a whole lot. They didn't believe in the miraculous power of God to raise the dead to life. The tomb was empty. Suffering wasn't what they expected. Gruesome death on a cross wasn't what they expected. They were expecting glory. They were expecting freedom. So let's talk a minute about expectations. Throughout our lives, we all hold on to certain expectations about things that will or will not happen to us. Maybe you expected to go to a certain college after high school, maybe expected that you would be married by a certain age or have a certain number of children. Maybe expected that you would work a certain job or have you know, a career throughout your adulthood. Or even more simply, maybe you expected rain and the sun came out. Or maybe you expected pizza for dinner last night and you got Mexican food. I mean, you got Mexican food, hey. We all have expectations, big and small, all of us, every single day when we wake up. I expect that today is going to be busy. I expect that today is going to be boring. I expect that today is going to be whatever it is. I expect that this person is gonna do this for me. I expect that this person will do this for me. No better day for expectations than Mother's Day, right? (laughs) Dads, kids, no one? I have learned early on to be very clear about my expectations for Mother's Day because guess what? People cannot read my mind. I wish they could. It would be really great if you woke up and all the things that you had in your head and anticipated for Mother's Day just happened. It's not true. Anybody have that happened to you? We have to be very clear about our expectations. Sometimes our expectations are met, but not always. We all hold certain expectations that maybe we'll get breakfast in bed and maybe we'll have our perfect coffee. Maybe we'll go to the brunch that we always wanted to go to. Maybe we'll get that gift that we asked for. Maybe our kids won't fuss for one day and they'll go to bed early, right? But we have to be very clear with our expectations. Sometimes reality does not meet those expectations. Maybe we had expectations that we were gonna be a mom and we couldn't. Maybe we had expectations that our relationship with our mom would be better than it is. Maybe we had expectations that the first Mother's Day without a mom would be really hard. Whatever it may be, we all have expectations, but not just on Mother's Day. How many times in our lives do the expectations that we have not meet reality? One of my favorite memes, like theme, 
<clears throat> thematic memes is the whole like Instagram versus reality, right? When a family shows you their cute picture. I'm gonna show you a picture. Bob's gonna put it up here. This is my family from 2020. Aw, that's cute, right? It's my son Thomas two years ago and my daughter Cora. She just sang in the choir and my husband Colby. And here we are, we look so cute, don't we? So this is the picture that we sent out. This is the actual behind the scenes, right? Nobody's looking at the camera. There's a snack and a belly showing. We're all, and then here's the next one. Can't even keep track of my kids as they're crawling away. Cora's not even in the shot. Expectations versus reality. Here's my meme that I actually posted is Instagram versus reality, right? We put up a front, we show what the expectations look like, and when you look at stuff like this on Instagram, you're like, oh, it's the perfect family. They got it all together. They got everybody to look at the exact same time. Everybody looks so beautiful. And the reality is that behind the scenes, things are a little bit hectic. Things are painful and hard. Sometimes I don't wanna get up in the morning and do it again and again and again. But we look good, right? We have these expectations about what our lives should look like, what things should happen to us, and when reality doesn't meet that, we get depressed, we get hurt, we get lost, we, get, we doubt, we doubt God's promises. In this passage, the travelers had expectations of what the Messiah should or shouldn't have done. Even though they'd heard the scriptures, even though they know, knew the prophecies, when their expectations were not met, they began to doubt. Has anyone ever had doubts? Maybe when your husband didn't show up on Mother's Day with your cappuccino in hand, he started doubting his love for you. When do we doubt when our expectations aren't met and we start to lose hope? They didn't fully believe that the suffering of Christ would be part of the salvation. They wanted to jump directly to the glory and the freedom and the happy. They didn't remember that the sad and the suffering was predicted, it was foretold. It was God's plan from the beginning. They'd lost track and their expectations were dashed when reality set in. Jesus says to them in verse 25, "'O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe "'all that the prophets have spoken. "'Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things "'and enter into his glory?' Jesus was very clear in his expectations of what would happen to him as the Messiah. He was very clear about the next steps forward. Even up until the last supper, he told his disciples that suffering would come and that he would no longer be with them, that he was headed towards a painful death. They knew the truth and they forgot and they lost hope. Their expectations didn't meet their reality and they got scared and they were worried and they were sad. But Jesus brought them back in. This stranger traveler on the road brought out the scripture, reminded them of the word of God to help to focus and ground them in the truth of God's promises reminding them of Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt and all of the prophets that foretold his, his coming. He's basically doing a walking Bible study. I think our youth group should do that. So let's just walk and talk while we do it. But he literally was reminding them of what they already knew, but he had to tell them because they'd forgotten. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They still don't recognize him. 
Next week, I want you to come back. We're only doing half the story this week, so it's gonna be a little bit of a cliffhanger. Don't forget to come back next, next week. Mitchell's gonna pick right back up and tell us the rest of the story, but for now, we're gonna dwell on the fact that Jesus presents scripture about himself to these disciples. These devoted disciples had to be reminded of the truth to find their way back. As Jesus spoke to them of God's promises, they began to realize that the reality was actually better than the expectations. Has that ever happened to you, right? Like I have really bad anxiety, which leads to like negative expectations of the things that's going to happen, right? I'm like, oh, it's going to be horrible. Oh, I'm going to hate it so much. And then I show up, and I'm like, oh, that was fun. That was great. And the actual reality was better than the expectations, right? Isn't that the best gift? Like you've dreaded something and then you go and it's like, woohoo, that's great. The reality of Jesus is so much better than what these travelers could even have anticipated. They were sad, they were down in the dumps, they were frustrated, and they didn't think anything happened. But Jesus's death and resurrection was part of the plan from the beginning. And now Jesus is glorified in his resurrection. No other God can raise death to life. We are all like these traveling disciples. We have certain expectations of Jesus. What are things in your own journey of faith that you expect from Jesus or from following Jesus? Maybe those expectations don't play out in reality. Sometimes we think that the moment we decide to follow Jesus, we'll suddenly be happier people, we'll be nice to everybody, and we'll have just an easy life. If you've experienced that, come find me because I'd like to hear what that was like for you. But that is not the promise. The promise isn't perfection. The promise isn't a perfect life here on earth. The promise is a hope and a future with God. The promise is in the now that we have a helper, a Holy Spirit, a comforter to be with us. The promise is that we are sanctified and transformed by the power of the Spirit. It's not easy. Sin is still very present. The hard things in this world are still hard. I hate it. I wish I could say it's not. I wish I could wave a magic wand and say, you love Jesus, good. The rest of your life is smooth and easy. We have to face the death and destruction and pain and sin and hurt each and every day. And sometimes our expectations are, why does God do this? It's too hard. Why do I follow him if this is the life I have to live? Why do I wake up every day and seek after Jesus when it's just disappointment after disappointment, pain after pain? Because the reality is that we don't face those things without hope. We don't face grief without life. We don't face death and darkness without light and hope for the future. Jesus died the ugly, gruesome, horrible, sad, miserable death so that we don't have to. Jesus died on the cross, but that was not the end of the story. We don't have to be like the travelers, just walk in life sad that nothing really happened. He had to die for this. Because we know what the empty tomb means. We as people who know the whole story of scripture know that the empty tomb means that he was risen. And that's why on Easter Sunday we say he is risen. He is risen indeed. And the future hope of Christ's return and his reign over all principalities, over all powers in this world. 
Maybe we should shift our expectations. A pastor that I used to serve with, and that was our pastor growing up in Houston, his benediction, I've shared this here before, but I love it. His benediction always said, expect the unexpected and anticipate miracles knowing that with God, all things are possible. Let's shift our expectations that Jesus is there in the hard stuff, that Jesus is providing for our future, that Jesus has died for us and experienced the pain so that we don't have to. Jesus loves us so much that his blood covers all of our sins and frees us from the power of sin in our lives. Jesus is very clear of what to expect. We have to ground into the scripture. This is the truth. The word of God helps us to be grounded into the remembering. We forget. It's easy to forget. We're distracted people. We live in a world that is shiny and wants our attention, but when we ground down, just like the travelers are reminded of the truth of God, then we have a different sort of expectations in our lives. It may not look like what we anticipated. It may not be what we want. But with Jesus, the reality is greater and better than we could ever expect or imagine. Christ ascended into heaven. Christ sent his comforter, the Holy Spirit, to live in and among us. He promises the new heaven and the new earth, and we as Easter people get to live with the hope from victory on the cross into new life with Jesus. Let's not forget, friends. Don't forget. Remind each other. That's why we have community and family of faith. If you're brand new here and you've never heard this before, then it's even fresher. You're not going to forget, right? You're going to leave here with a new knowledge of who Jesus is, and we want to talk to you before you leave. We want to share more about who Jesus is. We want this to transform your life and your heart. Next week, you're going to see how these travelers' hearts were burning within them when they recognized finally who Jesus was. Come back and hear the next part of the story. As we return to Scripture and the promises of God, God had a plan for our salvation from the very beginning of time, and it was fulfilled when Jesus died and rose again. And in the in-between time, from that time when Jesus rose again until Jesus returns, we get to live for Jesus, and we get to share that love with everyone we experience. And when we face darkness, we know we have the light of Christ, and we can face the world with hope. Easter is not over. May our eyes be opened, may our hearts be opened to the saving love of God through Jesus. May our hearts be transformed. May we believe it, it gets in here, but may the Holy Spirit bring it deep inside our hearts, opening our hearts to this good news. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your word to us through scripture. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who walks with us, even in the hard parts of life. We thank you that you remind us of your truth through relationships with one another, through scripture, through the songs that we sing, through the the nature around us. Your revelation is so great, O Lord. God, we pray that our hearts would be opened and transformed by these words, that we would recognize you on the road with us, that our hearts would burn within us, and that we can stare this world in the eye with hope, knowing that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to be your followers and for equipping us for the journey. 
May we expect the unexpected and anticipate miracles, knowing that with you, O Lord, all things are possible. Amen.